Hi and welcome to Season 2 of Image Talks Fertility in partnership with Waterstone Clinic. My name is Dominique McMullen and I'm Image Media's Editorial Director and I'm delighted to be back for Season 2. Fertility is a deeply emotional and personal topic. I'm lucky enough to have two boys, aged three and one, and it has been some journey and not always an easy one to get me here. In this series, I'm gonna be talking to men and women about their fertility journeys. We're gonna touch on the highs and the lows of their experiences and hopefully be informed and inspired by them. We'll also be hearing from Ireland's leading experts in fertility, many of whom come from Waterstone Clinic, our partners in this podcast. Waterstone Clinic is renowned for their exceptional patient care, and they're bringing the most advanced fertility services to patients across Ireland today. They've also been doing it for 20 years, so they really know what they're talking about. So, listener, get comfortable, maybe go get a notepad, and let's talk fertility. In this episode, we are talking about IVF at 40, and we have the expert of all experts with us today, Dr. John Waterstone. He is going to be answering our questions. Um, So John, IVF at 40, it's a complicated area. It is a sensitive area. It's one that's full of myths and misconceptions. And I'd really like to clear some of those up today if we can. I think firstly, we do know it's possible. I think many of us will actually know someone who has had a baby through IVF at 40 or over. Um, What we probably don't hear about is people who haven't been successful for obvious reasons. So I think the place to start is to talk about the possibility, the chances of conceiving through IVF at 40. Could we start there? You tell me about that. Yeah, of course. It reminds me of a, a patient who said to me, with regard to IVF success rates, he said, Doctor, it's a bit like betting, betting on the horses, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, it is actually, but the odds are reasonably good for most people. Yeah. So you're talking about a, uh, you're talking about IVF. Uh, you're talking about something that's fairly potent. It's got a fairly decent chance of getting people pregnant and giving couples the baby they so desperately want. Yeah. But the probability that it's going to work is very much related to the woman's age. It's not fair, but it's very real. And it's a reality that we've got to deal with uh, when you work in the area Mm. that I work in. Mm. So to put it in context, if you're, say, having IVF and you're younger than 35, the chance that one treatment will result in a baby is of the order of 50 percent. But as as you go through your 30s, the the chances diminish. So by the time you get to 40, give or take, you may be down to one in 25 percent chance, a 25 percent chance versus a 50% chance when you were younger. Okay. Move on to 42 and you're probably down to 10%, 44, down to 5%, up to 45 and you're probably down to a couple of percent. So it can always work Mm. or may depending on the individual woman you've got, but the probability gets less as the woman gets older. So IVF at age 40 is not any greatly different than IVF at age 35. It's just the probability that it's going to work is that much less. 25%. Uh, at 40 is higher than I would have thought, though. Th- yeah, th- you know. I was looking at actually the stats. Anybody who's interested out there who wants to look at stats, probably the best set of stats is, is in the USA. Mm-hmm. If you look at the CDC um, website for IVF success rates in the States, very well presented, very intelligible. Okay. It's easy to make out, but it's they seem to do better than we do in Europe, in fact. So what I'm talking about, in fact, the stats in the in the USA would be higher still. I don't know quite how they managed to do so well. Okay. But they do seem to do a bit better than we do in Britain and in continental Europe. And if you are talking about without IVF, what are your chances of conceiving at 40? 
Is that a difficult question? It's a difficult question because... Depends on the woman. Yeah, it depends on the woman. And we only see the people who have been failing to get pregnant, not yeah. the people who succeeded. So it's a little bit difficult to say. Yeah, okay. But I mean, I think the success rates with IVF mirrors natural conception rates as well. As you get older, it gets harder. It's, and it's yeah. because the eggs change. Yeah. Not because the womb changes. Uh, yeah. So let's talk <coughs> about that. So um, is there anything you can do to improve egg quality yourself at home? No, not really. No. Uh, if you go on the Internet, as we all obviously do, uh, yeah. we Google and we have to be a little bit careful about what we get, because sometimes we're getting people who want to sell us products and supplements yeah. and vitamins rather than somebody who really is interested in optimizing our chance of having a baby. So, mm. yeah, I mean, people are going coenzyme Q10 and this, that and the other, but there isn't really good evidence that these things make any difference to women's eggs. Mm. And when you think about it. It's hard to imagine how they would. Men are different. Men are churning out new sperms all the time. Yeah. Guy ejaculates, you know, the sperms, she's ejaculating her about 12 weeks old max. And then he's going to create a new, whole new set of sperms a couple of months later. Women, when they're born, have got all of their eggs in their bodies for the whole lifetime already made. They don't make any new ones. Mm. Uh, and they just sit there in their ovaries in a kind of quiescent state until they are collected with IVF or they are ovulated in, in a natural cycle or whatever. So because women aren't making new eggs, it's hard to see how you could fundamentally change the, 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 the quality of the eggs you have. You have what you have, unfortunately. Mm. You know, it is what it is. You've mm. got what you've got and you've got to deal with that. Um, and hopefully it's good enough to give you a baby. Yeah. And isn't that I think that's so important, though, that because we do all go to Google and we do all. And especially if you're in a situation where, you know, you're so desperate to have a baby it's so good to hear an expert say you know don't go into don't fall into that trap know that they're actually or be careful be careful and maybe warning just a little note of caution maybe yeah. if you are googling maybe what i always do is i add scholarly scholarly s-c-h-o-l-a-r-l-y scholarly articles at the end of my little yeah. query whether it's yeah quantum q10 or whatever it is yeah. um add-ons and you get then kind of medical articles mm. which um are more objective uh, than somebody's random advice, you know, somebody who went through the process and OK, it's interesting to hear what happened to them, but you, you can't really draw conclusions from one person's, um, mm -hmm. you know, reflections of what happened to them. And what you really need is an overview, some mm. sort of common sense. Mm. Um, and if you stick in, um, let's say, scholarly articles at the end of a Google um, query, you're going to get more sensible stuff coming out of it. Yeah, peer reviewed mm -hmm. and, and yeah. factual. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that's that's really important to know, I think, and an important takeaway. So if you are a woman who's aged 40 or over and you are wanting to start a family and you come into you, what are the first kind of steps? What are the first treatments I'm looking at? Well, first steps are investigations. So yeah. basic investigations, you know, sperm analysis of the man, which is a very easy thing for him to do. You know, are sometimes a man's sperm numbers are so low that natural conception just isn't going to happen. It's important for the couple concerned to find that out early on. So otherwise, they're wasting valuable time trying when they would never have succeeded. Naturally, they need they need treatment and they might as well find that out sooner rather than later. Are the woman's tubes open? Uh, what are her egg numbers like? Does she have something else going on like endometriosis or fibroids or something? So we do initial investigations, which don't take long at all. And then we have to decide how long has they been trying? Um, and yeah. is it sensible to start treatment immediately or do we give them a bit longer um, before we suggest some sort of treatment? Mm. And if we suggest treatment, are we suggesting something simpler like IUI, intrauterine insemination treatment or something more complicated and expensive like IVF? Mm. So we have to kind of individualize what we um, 
what treatments we recommend and when we recommend them, depending on the situation. But basically, women (coughs) in their late 30s, early 40s don't have the luxury of time compared to women in their early 30s who have a lot more time and who can try longer naturally before they resort to treatment Mm. um, and can try simpler treatments before they resort to IVF treatment Mm. because they have time to play with, particularly if the woman's egg numbers are, are good. For somebody in their age 40, we don't have that luxury of time. Yeah. And particularly if the woman has no children and she would like to have two, you've got to bear in mind if she gets pregnant immediately, which is fantastic, but pregnant for nine months, breastfeeding for six months, all of a sudden she's 42 and trying for baby number two, which is that much harder because she's a bit older and her eggs are not as good as they used to be. Mm. And I suppose the other thing to add in to the mix is um, the advent of successful embryo freezing like f- more than 40 percent of our babies that come out of our ivf program are coming from frozen embryos now wow. 10 years ago was five percent so embryo freezing works um and when you do ivf you create multiple eggs the number you get is different for different women but if you you're blessed at 40 and you've got good egg numbers then you collect a, a number of eggs 10 15 create a number of embryos they won't all be put back immediately if you're very lucky you may have a baby with the immediate transfer of an embryo but there may be others put in the freezer and they may give you the chance of a bit of a second baby mm. in a couple of years time, which you would otherwise have found very difficult mm. because, you know, once the embryos are created, they're as good as the eggs when the eggs were collected. Mm. So they're kind of younger embryos. So that's something which is we bear in mind. And sometimes we recommend that. Yeah. Go for particularly with, with good egg numbers. If you're age 40, go for the, the possibility of freezing. Um, yeah. So women even have a, an, a, an IVF cycle and they freeze all of the embryos, don't put anything back immediately because actually they don't want to get pregnant immediately. Yeah. Uh, that's a sort of a fertility preserving embryo cryopreservation. And then they go and have a real cycle where they try to get pregnant immediately. But they've got some embryos banked for hopefully baby number two. It seems a smart thing to do. <clears throat> that's fascinating what you're saying about the the rate of, of, of embryo freezing increasing and improving yeah. so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a real transformation, say, over the last couple of decades. Yeah. Embryo freezing really has, is, is, is viable now. It's, it's uh, it contributing a lot of babies. And con- it just gives a lot of hope, I think, especially, like you said, for that second or even third child to be able to know you can bank that away mm. and still have an increased kind of chance is, is fantastic. It seems like the smart thing to do when you kind of think it through. Yeah. Um, so I know, again, it's difficult because it depends on each individual woman. But the additional kind of menu of treatments, I think a lot of people talk about different things you can do, add-ons as such, to increase your kind of chances. Um, and I think some of these are looked, are looked upon a little bit, you know... Skeptically, exactly. Great word. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, not me. Um, So I think, could you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So add-ons are. I mean, the basic IVF process is superovulation. You make the woman produce a bunch of mature eggs simultaneously, rather than the one that she normally would produce in a natural cycle. You collect the eggs, you make embryos, and you put back embryos either fresh or you freeze them and put them back subsequently. Mm. That's your basic IVF. approach uh, but there are other things you can add into that and the question is and oftentimes they cost more money and the question is uh, sometimes they're viewed as just money making commercial uh, exploitation possibly of women who are desperate obviously women who are going through the process women and men couples are desperate to do all that they can mm. and so it's all too easy maybe for clinics to say well you could have a bit of extra this or that and okay it's going to cost another 500 euros and this is going to cost another thousand euros and before mm. you know it the whole thing has cost a couple of grand more than you thought it would because you've been offered and have taken up the possibility of these add-ons. Mm. Um, 
so there are things like Pixie, IMSI, mm -hmm. uh, the HFEA, the body in the UK that governs IVF and kind of monitors things. Um, they regard the genetic testing of embryos for chromosomal errors mm. as a as an add-on, which doesn't necessarily improve the chance. The fear is that, that these extra things that you can be offered and would be charged extra for don't actually improve the chance of having a baby at all. Okay. And they cost additional money. Mm. Um, that's the problem. Um, yeah. So and the I suppose the ironic thing is that sometimes clinics that, that offers these sometimes dubious add-ons mm -hmm. are viewed by patients as being more advanced. They must be more advanced doctor because they're after, they're offering me all these extra things. Like so, they must be better than clinic A. B must be better because they've got all these extra things you can have. Mm. So they must be superior, but they aren't really. You know, you've got to be a little bit skeptical and uh, yeah. realize that it is a commercial area, and sometimes people may just be wanting yeah. to optimize the amount of money they make rather than doing all that they can to improve your chance of actually having a baby. Yeah. And, <clears> and <throat> you know, it is at the end of the day, it, it is biology that there is a there is a realism there. You do have You've to be of, you have to be realistic. Yeah. yeah. And in a sense, you might be better off rather than spending an awful lot of money on add ons. You might be better off saving your money and having another straight no frills IVF cycle yeah. rather than spending all these additional thousands and other things which can add up to what might have been another. Yeah. Another cycle of treatment, creating more embryos and giving a very real chance of, of a baby. So you've got to be a little bit skeptical about it. And mm. more add-ons doesn't mean better care. And I suppose that's the takeaway message. Mm. And is there an age that you, an age past that you wouldn't do IVF on someone you wouldn't recommend it? A good question. In our clinic and most, I mean, most responsible clinics, when you get to age 45, in our clinic, it's your 46th birthday. And it's not, um, and that's for treating women with their own eggs. Okay. Uh, it's different yeah. for donor eggs because with donor eggs, the age of the woman doesn't matter and it's it's more arbitrary. But but by age 45, if you're trying to succeed with IVF with your own eggs, mm -hmm. the chances it's going to work is down to one or two percent. Yeah. And we feel that's just that's not realistic. Yeah. And but not it, fair. Really. Not fair. No, I mean, yeah. I remember I may remember a patient years ago. She came to me in Cork. I, she was 45 then and I operated on her, took big fibroids out of her uterus because she couldn't get pregnant the way she was. And she had practically no eggs. Her chance of getting pregnant with her own eggs was practically zero. Mm. And I came, I came across her a couple of years later. She'd been to Dublin and had two or three cycles of treatment of IVF, spent whatever, you know, 15, 20 grand in the mm. meantime. But somebody had been prepared to treat her and take her money. So you've got to be a little bit cautious out there in the yeah. big, bad world of IVF. Yeah, not very <clears throat> morally uh, acceptable, is it really? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a thin line. I mean, yeah. sometimes it would put, women would say, listen, doctor, you've been straight with me. You've told me my chance of success is 5%. I'll take the 5%, you know, and yeah. you've been straight, fine. Yeah. But what you don't want to do is give people unrealistic expectations about what their chances are and, yeah. and pretend that they're higher than what they really truly yeah. are. But like we said, you know, there is there is the possibility and it's about being understanding what the chances are, being realistic with those. And I suppose going into it with hope, you know, that's all you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, and I also I, I, I would I would I suppose talking to you as the expert, I'd like to know what you would say to someone who is that person listening today, who has that hope, who's maybe in their late 30s, early 40s. What kind of message would you give to them? I say, you know, 
be realistic, you know, mm. don't be too pessimistic, but be, be, be realistic mm. uh, and be and move quickly. I mean, you don't have a huge amount of time if you have no children, you want to, you don't, time is not on your side. Mm. So move quickly towards investigations. Try to pick a unit that seems as though the doctor's concerned or have your best interests at heart and practice sensible kind of evidence-based medicine, mm. although that can be hard to find out as well. Mm. Um, if you're offered IVF, just consider embryo freezing because that could well um, improve your chances, not just of one baby, but of two. Yeah. And also just don't forget to try naturally. I mean, all the time I, I follow up patients for some reason or other, years after we've treated them successfully or unsuccessfully and found they've had a, another child or a child that we failed to give them through IVF, naturally don't yeah. stop trying. I mean, don't think that because it hasn't worked for six months or even a year that it won't work. There's always a chance it'll work. Is there, because I hear, I hear that too, anecdotally, an awful lot, people who have a child through IVF and then conceive naturally is there any science I'm not evidence? sure that I'm not sure that it's the IVF I think it's coincidence it's just okay it's, it's just that and I it's mean, hearing if those positive you know stories. if you st if the guy's got reasonably good sperm your tubes are open yeah. you produce eggs okay you may have struggled to get pregnant naturally it may be the case that you've failed to get pregnant with a, an IVF treatment cycle you could get still get pregnant naturally don't stop trying yeah. like yeah glass of champagne <laughs> OPK go for it I mean yeah like it happens you know you got you produce eggs every month don't waste any opportunities. Even if you've already started IVF, don't stop trying to, to get pregnant naturally as well because uh, yeah, it can happen. Yeah, that's, that's a really nice note, I think, to leave it on today, John. Um, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think that's really going to help a lot of our listeners and uh, a lot of facts there to take away. And a reminder to our listeners to reach out for help um, if you need it and to keep hope, I think, great takeaway from today. Thank you so much. Now, I am delighted to welcome the gorgeous Maria. We are especially lucky to have Maria here today as she has a six-week-old baby at home, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, so we can imagine how busy she is currently. So congratulations, first of all, Maria. Well, thank um, you very much. And thank you so much for being here today. I can't imagine the mountains you had to move <laughs> to give yourself an hour. <laughs> well, I have plenty of help, so I'm very lucky. My family are amazing, so that's that's half the battle. <laughs> yeah, it is. Need good help. Um, so obviously, your journey in in many ways is only just getting started. Um, <laughs> but I would like to rewind all the way back um, and talk about whether you always knew you wanted to be a mother or to have a family or how you kind of felt about it you know in your teens 20s I suppose I I'm from a big family so I always knew I wanted and I suppose um I'm adopted so as well so I always there's always a you know a longing you know people I knew how much children meant to my parents and whatever and I always just felt yeah I wanted to be a mom whatever and so again you meet someone you don't meet someone but it was always in my head that I wanted children mm. so I had this you know, when I'm 40, when I turn 40, this will happen. And, you know, 40 was starting to come around the corner. And I was like, yeah, when I'm 40, when I'm 40. <laughs> um, of course, 40 came in the middle of lockdown in June 2020. Um, and I think my sister had a baby in December of 2019. And I think seeing the baby, you know, and I literally just went, I need to do something now or never. Mm. You know, decision made, stop waiting, get moving. So I still turned 40. <laughs> And I'm still waiting, but obviously COVID had plans. And 
then decided to make a decision. So went to my GP mm-hmm. and just asked for their advice. You know, where do I start? Where do I go? And then she recommended um, Waterstone. Mm-hmm. So from the first going in the door to Waterstones, I immediately felt, yeah, relaxed. This is where, you know, there was very much honesty. There was no sugarcoating anything. You know, my age was a factor. You know, it was just very natural, very welcoming and so from the first meeting, I felt very, yeah, I went forward and started this lovely journey. <laughs> and and if it's like in your 30s, was it something that was front and center of your mind or were oh, yeah. you, you, it was, because I know for so many women, they talk about that awful, you know, and I don't believe in this actually, but that ticking biological clock oh, yeah. and that Definitely. worry. So yeah. it was something you were thinking about in your 30s, were you just. You know, that, that was the of your head. You know, you're all, and it's friends are having babies around you, family are having babies around you, and you're like, oh yeah, what, what, what will happen to me? And you're meeting someone, and you're, and you're always thinking, is he the one? Will he be the one I have a baby with? Do you know? And are you kind of sometimes are you overlooking the fact that maybe he's not the one, but he's kind of there? And you're like, no. <laughs> so I always knew that I would. Didn't know how I get there, but I always knew I wanted to have children. I always knew, you know. And I think biologically I always wanted to have one or, or carry one or just you know have that kind of sense of you know feeling as was feeling it and just just experiencing the whole thing do you know but yeah. um it, it's yeah it's 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 it was it was always there it never went away do you know it never yeah I never kind of said oh sure if it happens it happens I was like no I, I need to make it happen I want to make it happen that's a great attitude to have though because I think a lot of women do sit and wait and do kind of frame relationships like I have a lot of friends I'm in my mid-30s and friends now who are so difficult to date when you know you want to have a baby and you're 35 36 37 38 um because I think, I think it kind of you kind of don't see the the, the negative in, in in the guy sometimes you just see the end goal and I know I did that for a, with one or two relationships you kind of see like right is this is this going to bring me to where I want to go Mm. you're kind of going you know you know there's and difficult, set, you know? difficult to end a relationship because you know it's not right when you know what age you are and that yeah. you is having a family you know it's a I'm very much too it's so Dominique I'm very much like what's for you won't pass you so yeah. I was I was very much like if, if it's meant to be it'll be I did have a feeling it will it would be just didn't know how <laughs> you know I just felt like I will definitely have a baby yeah. so and so it was your 40th birthday then that was kind yes. of approaching and that was that that was the kickstart <laughs> yeah, yeah that moment where you were like yeah. now I couldn't, go, I couldn't go anywhere couldn't meet anybody so I just you know I said right <laughs> where can I go to get a baby <laughs> so it was like just it was just, I just went first to kind of suppose meet and see what my options were yeah. just to see like where I was medical wise fertility wise thankfully I was okay you know, have you had any fertility checks before that point? Never. Nothing. Never. Again, I suppose you're always thinking, ah, sure, look, it'll happen. It'll be there. It'll be, do you know, like I always said, you spend your 20s avoiding getting pregnant and your 30s wanting to get pregnant. I <laughs> you know. know. I mean, yeah. We actually, so, in episode one of this, um, of this season, we touched on that with Laura Hackett, how she's a fertility nurse, nurse specialist. And we were talking a lot about how, you you become you in your 20s especially you have no idea or I didn't and no one I really know did yeah. of how your cycle really works and you think yeah. you're pregnant at the drop of a hat yeah. you know 
anything if you're not using protection yeah. anything could happen yeah. and then you get older and you start to realize that it's these two or three or four specific yeah. a month and yeah. not that easy <laughs> there's loads of things nope. you have to do I suppose it's just the fact like you know I suppose you take into for granted that everyone can get pregnant yeah like you if that's not so you know that that's that was for me it was like oh it's never an issue do you know it always because like oh it's easy to get pregnant it was always yeah. you know and it, avoid it but you never think of your 30s or 20s like okay hang on a second what if there is an issue here yeah what if what, what if I can't or what if things inside aren't going according to plan yeah you know so I think that was my first step to get everything checked out that way and, hand and when you checked out obviously everything was yeah, uh, everything was fine and then it, I suppose during the fact that I got all my tests done and you know they kind of went through bloods and kind of checking everything egg count mm-hmm. and a and h levels and all sorts of levels i've forgotten how many levels of all the, the medical term but um it was and during covid it was brief that, that, that those appointments were still happening you know nice. it was still good that it was that, that they were going on you know and you know and it was you know it was lonely because you are going on your own and it's it you know you're, you're you're kind of going in the door saying does anyone know me you're going with the mask on and it's grand like you're kind of going yeah okay. no one knows me here <laughs> and especially from cork everyone knows everyone, everyone in cork anyway so you're like ah, you found me somebody but no but um I think the first just I felt very comfortable in what in, in, in when I went in and the nurses were amazing they were just Jesus they were like they were I was calling them my angel at the end because they were just you know no question was silly no question was stupid it was just I felt very relaxed with them you know and they were very reassuring and advising me what to do and you know and then I made the decision to, to get two straws Okay, so you so, was it IVF from the get go? You knew no, I did I did IUI first. Okay, so I did IUI summer twenty one. Okay, so, so how does that work for the listener? Talk me through the process of that and how you made that. It's just basically, it's not as invasive. So basically, they peak your ovulation, they peak, they peak, you know, your injections, whatever, and then they 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 put the sperm and the straw straight in to you as a normal. As my sister said, the government of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> but um it's the success rate isn't isn't as high as IVF, but I kind of wanted to have a more natural yeah. process first just to see mm-hmm. you know because everything inside was okay, just to see could it work. Mm-hmm. But it, it obviously didn't work. Um I so then, I, I always I think so I'm realizing now how I didn't allow myself time to kind of process it. Yeah. I think I was away on my family's from West Cork, so we were away in West Cork when I was waiting for the results and I was like yeah, I think I'm definitely pregnant. Oh, it smells are funny. This tastes funny. And, you know, I was kind of like, I said I was driving my family mad. And I kept kind of going, oh, yeah, I think I think it might be. But, you know, you're, it was, you're hoping and so you're praying and praying. You know, you're just, every smell, every taste, you're questioning. Um, So I came home from, from West Cork, took the test, and the test was negative. And I was like, okay, very upset. Oops, you know, I didn't. I kind of said, right, okay, one straw left. Don't get too disheartened, whatever. Just keep up, keep the faith. Um, went back to work the week later. I think I should have given myself a bit of time to go back to work. Mm. I, and I think my hormones were all over the place. So the poor, my poor work family, the poor kids I worked with, they were like, ah, oh, it was just <laughs> coming in. <laughs> but um, no, I think I just, I should have given myself more time. But look, that's hindsight. I kind of, there was a reason why maybe it kept me busy, kept me, my mind going as well. Have you so, read about the various companies offering paid leave for fertility treatments? There's lots of companies that offer really? them. Offer it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it is. But I must say, my work family were like I'm an, I'm an SNA in, in in a school, a primary school. So the time time off with they were amazing with that. There was never an issue with 
you know, I used to go down. I mean, I went to the start. I was very open when I was doing. I said, this is what I'm doing. They were amazing. Um, they're like, take as much time as you, you know, take whatever appointments you need. They're there to let us know. We get covered. Don't be worrying. You know, so having that security and that support as well, it was brilliant knowing that that they knew what I was doing and I wasn't kind of lying, saying, oh, I'm a dental boyfriend or I have to get my, you know, my eyes checked. They knew what I was doing, you know? Yeah. But um, it was, it was, it was kind of, like I said, it's great having support from your family and your friends, but you're at work a lot of time as well. So like they're your, you know, your work family is as important as your family. Absolutely. And they were, and they were amazing. There was never a question of, no, you, you know, just take, takes the time you want. And just, it's so you know, great that you felt that you could share that. Like, I know a lot of people wouldn't, and would, you know, would feel for whatever reason that they didn't want to share it in the workplace. And it does make it extremely difficult. It's not, but I think I would, I'm very open about it anyway, Dominic. I kind of felt like, you know, I kept kind of saying, if I did get pregnant, it was in the middle of COVID. They were saying, where was she? Who was she with? She couldn't go anywhere. She's not with anyone. What's going on here? So I kind of felt like, you know, my, I was very, I'm I a very open person and I'm a very honest person. And I think, you know, I think it's important. And, I think something like this, if, if your story can help somebody, or if you know, if I knew someone else that, that went through it, I would have said, well, do you know what, now I might ring them or text them or, do you know, ask them what did they, what did they do or how they felt, mm. do you know, but no, I, that, that's why I, I was so open about it, I think, mm. you know, and I think it's, I think there is a big taboo on fertility, people are afraid to talk about it, mm. do you know, it's like this big secret, you can't say, you, you can't say you have a problem there, but, do you know, it, it's, for me, I was like, no, get rid of all that. This is what I'm doing. This is my plan. Say a prayer for me. Say a candle for me. Do you know? And it was, it was just extra support kind of thing. Yeah. It makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think sharing stories like yours and unlike all the various people we've talked to over the last two seasons really does make a difference, you know, for the people who are listening who are either about to start out mm. or who've been through it. It makes a huge impact in their lives to be listening to someone else who's also been there and, and their experience of whatever the situation I think, I think sharing any kind of story sharing mm. anything that some you know any other issue you have sharing is half the problem it's yeah. half, you know it is 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 a solution sorry you know if you know someone that's going through something or if you know have a friend or something and you know okay this is what they did it gives you that bit of support it's like a comfort mm. blanket I think mm. you know it gives you okay, I'm not the only person going through this. It's okay, you know? And it's it's like, yeah, you know, if you can help some one person, then why not share your story? Yeah. Do you know, I love this openness, especially when it comes to fertility and sexuality and mm. all of that in Ireland um, is especially complicated and important to open up the issue. Um, talk to me about, so you, you, you touched on the kind of the, the, process with the straws with the sperm donor yeah how did you pick the sperm donor before so, that? again of course me I, my, I was restricted because I don't carry the cystic fibrosis gene so I had to go for a donor okay. who didn't carry the same so my donors in one way were limited which was a good thing I didn't have a lot of choice <laughs> so um it was just basically put you know right back in his personality right back on you know just a general oversight mm -hmm. and he had one line in it that for me was I was my kind of closing factor he just said if he could do this one thing to help somebody then you know why not and I kind of went that's kind of that that's that's what it's about yeah you know so that kind of that was my I wasn't into you know the, the height or the looks or you know for me it was more a, a background making sure you know yeah personality background was, was was so that was my one line that kind of went yeah I think this is the guy so I remember the guy 
the donor. <laughs> and I remember kind of just getting on and then, and then touching base. And then you have an option of picking one, two or three straws. And I went for two. So then. Okay. So you got to the second straw then? Yes. And you decided to do IVF? That was IVF then. I spoke to one of the nurses above and, you know, again, you're looking for advice because I would have been 41 then at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, look, Marie, you can go for IUI again, but you've one straw left and or you go IVF. And I said, well, look, Ursula, what would you recommend? And she said, look, IVF. And I went, OK, Do you know, I think, you know, you have to listen to advice too. as much as you kind of, you know, you didn't want the invasiveness of the, you know, the IVF process. It, it is harder. It is more invasive. It was more like, what's your end goal? Your end goal is a baby and you're going to do anything you want. <laughs> do you know what you can get to do? So started the IVF in October, took a break in September just let all the, the crazy hormones leave the body. <laughs> Did you find that? It seems to be such a varying, those hormones have such a varying effect on different people. Some people seem to have no effect and some people are just mad. <laughs> I, 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 my fear was like, I'm a very emotional person and, I, and I'm very weepy and I'm very, oh. and I remember my family were saying, oh Jesus, she's getting more hormones. What, 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 what's she going to be like? <laughs> but um, I was okay. I think I kind of just kind of felt like, Whatever way it was, my end goal was like, there's a reason why I'm doing this. Do you know, I suppose I had a fear of injections as well. And I remember my first injection, my uh, cousin's wife came over, my sister was there to do it. Like, and she goes, look, you'd be fine doing this, whatever. And I remember I had a friend who went through the IVF process too. And she, I remember I took my first injection myself. I was going somewhere and I had to do it myself. And she goes, I'm telling you now, she said, when you do your first injection yourself, just think of that baby in your head. And I kind of went, you know, it was just that's it's just refocuses you in and it just gives you the, the end goal is 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 what why you're doing it. Mm. So you know, every injection, every procedure, every you know, it was just the end goal was always, but again, I was very much taking step by step by step by step, you know, just hoping I get to the next step, hoping I'd make it to the next stage. Do you know? That was always the baby steps <laughs> yeah, to the baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <will> be a baby. <laughs> so were you having to do daily kind of injections or how um, yeah yeah two injections a night then into the stomach yeah yeah so yeah. I felt like I felt like I get I felt like getting a gold star at the end of it I was like yeah well done <laughs> do you yeah. know because they are intense they are you know they, you are, they, do, they do take their toll yeah yeah but like you know I suppose I was lucky again I had the family and friends to bounce off do you know I might say oh geez I'm having a bad day or do you know my stomach's in bits or look at me I'm like a you know a bruise whatever and it's just and the fact that I was so open you have people checking in on you how are you getting on are you all right and how are you feeling today and you know that was very important to me you know I think just just having that support I mean they always say it takes an army to raise a child I mean or a village or a village or but I think definitely that was half the that was I, I couldn't have got done done even if, if there was no baby came out of it I couldn't have got, gotten through the you know the process without my family and friends around me yeah. definitely you know and how did it feel when you found out then that you'd been successful Talk it was I suppose, again I, again I felt I remember like I was supposed to do the test on the 19th and I remember waking up the 18th and I was like I'm getting my period that's it game over and I and it was the same as you know I was kind of saying not nah, didn't work this time it didn't work whatever and I remember I rang my sister and um she said I'll be up I'll be up in, I'll be up, I'll be up in a minute and I, she said drink glass of water and I said oh, I've already got to the time she was drink a pint of water come on we'll do the test and I was kind of going oh, I don't know I don't know like and she was I'll be up I'll be up so she came up by the way and I remember kind of 
drank the water, did the test together, and the two of us sitting there in the bed. And she's, you know, she was like, she's very practical, my sister. She's like, look, what it'll be will be. We'll, you know, if we find something, we'll, we'll, whatever it is, we'll overcome it. We, you know. So I remember saying, yeah, okay, you know, try not to cry, try not to kind of keep it together a little bit. And um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, I remember going in and she said, she goes, well, I, will I, will I get the result for you? And I was like, no, I said, look, I said, big girl pants on now. I have to, whatever it is, I have to do it. So I remember going in and uh, just getting the test and looking at it. And I went, oh my God, no. Or I said, oh no, or something. And she went, oh no. And I went, no, oh yes. <laughs> I was gone. And I remember just kind of going, you know, just, I suppose that whole thing of you're looking kind of going. It is there, isn't it? I'm not dreaming it, do you know? And um, oh, sorry, get upset. No, uh, you're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember kind of going to my sister, kind of going, the lines are very faint. The lines are very faint, do you know? And, and she said, look, she got out the box, she goes, look, lines, there's two lines on it. She said, whatever it is, you know, it, it's positive, it's, it's positive, take it. So I remember kind of going, oh my God. And she was, come on, we'll go and tell mom. We'll go, we all live in the same, in the same town. So we we'll go tell mom. All I remember, I kept looking at the test, kind of going, you're still there. Yeah, yeah, I kept checking. <laughs> Just that fear of not having, you know, that it was going to go away. And, um, oh, you have a great young. Just telling my mom that it, it was, yeah, it was Christmas week. So I think that was, Santa definitely came early. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, it, it, it's, it, was a mere, it was a dream come true, you know. And I kind of kept saying, right, you know, again, with, you get early scans, you get a six-week scan, you get an eight-week, you know. And I just kept saying, if nothing comes of it, at least I know I had I had the pregnancy positive test in my hand. And I kept kind of, I suppose I'd be, I, you know, I kind of said, at least I got pregnant. Whatever happens now is the next step again. Mm. So it was just to kind of have that and just kind of go. And then I suppose telling my sister-in-law, my brother, my, my dad, you know, everyone was just like, ah. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was lovely. It was, it was, I mean, like I said, it was, Christmas was, was, was done for me. It was a dream, complete not a dream come true, you know. Where did you give you a <laughs> That's the problem with Zoom. I want to reach out. Oh, thank you. It was just, well, it was just, you have this whole fear of it not happening. Yeah. You know, and I was very aware of my age and I was very aware of, okay, look, even though I was, fertility wise I was okay inside and everything but you still have this thing of it doesn't always happen you know I mean you see people up, 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 in, the, up in the hospital in the clinic and god they're coming in and they're just they're going out crying and it it, it just it's so it's so sad to see some people what they have to go through and in some ways you kind of feel oh my god am I selfish going on my own you know doing this on my own and you know you see a, you know you have this thing in your head and you kind of go no this is my story right I'm I'm entitled to have a baby if I want a baby and you know you're kind of fighting with yourself a little bit too but um no it was a like I said it was a dream a dream come true everybody's fertility journeys are so individual you know you know I keep saying there was like I they all laugh at me here I'm a big believer in signs and you know angels and all that like and whatever and I kept saying well you know there's definitely something there I mean I kept praying and praying and you know my mom's friends were praying and candles were being lit all over cove and there was just you know people were just kind of saying I was talking to your mom and I have a candle lighting for you or I went to mass and I offered it up for you and you're kind of going you know what thanks you know these people that just are putting so much love and support into you for your for your intentions mm. you know and it's just it, it's 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 so heartwarming it's, it's so so sweet and I remember telling people then that I was, I mean, I, I told people, I suppose I shouldn't have told them as early, but I was like, I don't care. 
I just, you know, it, it's guess what? And, you know, it was just, it was, we had a mass from my uncle the, the following day. And I remember, I remember you could remember you could test again just to be sure that it was still there, that it had disappeared overnight. <laughs> and um, I remember going down and I came out of the church and my cousin just looked over at me. It was actually a mass for her dad. And she just looked at me and she, I gave her a nod. And she tried the two of us were gone. And I think everyone knew that stage why I was crying or, you know. So it was just lovely that I could share that with them, to know that they were part of, of it. And I do feel they were part of from the start. <laughs> they were part of the journey, you know. The whole of Cork was behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and elsewhere, yeah. Oh my God, I think there's people shouting out from, I don't know. It was just, yeah, it's like, even after she's been born, the amount of people that are just reaching out wishing me well and congratulating me it's been mm. very heartwarming very very heartwarming and how yeah. was the pregnancy brilliant not a bother everything was everything went so well I, I think I was afraid to even say I don't feel sick I don't feel sick no <laughs> it's not going away stay here <laughs> um few bit a bit of nausea but like nothing, nothing. no vomiting no kind of bit, bit, bit tiredness but like I said so I, I work in a school so I work with kids so used to it you're tired. you're tired anyway so I just kind of just again embraced it and just just kept kept going and just loved it and just you yeah. know I think the first scan where it actually looks like a baby yeah <laughs> and then hearing the heartbeat it's very oh it's it's, it's magic magic you know it's it's very surreal magic is a really yeah it is. it is magic I remember kind of going oh, that's in there and my mom came with me for the first scan and she she was like oh my god she just was just blown away by the, the noise and it was lovely that the two of us could, could be there for to experience it like you know so yeah it was oh, it was just a very special moment I know she's she's, she's an American she's just and how are you getting on I you know I think there's something really special in mothers that have had that journey and that longing and the work and I'm not saying people who conceive naturally don't, no, don't. you know, know, appreciate their children, but I think I it's a different level. You have, I suppose you kind of, you realize what you, how much you got, got it, it took to get her here, mm. you know? And I mean, I keep looking at her and I'm kind of going, is she really mine? You know, am I really low keeper? There's no one going to come and go, sorry, came over, taking her back. And yeah. I suppose I would have always been the one leaving the friends saying, oh, bye, see you later, you know, and you know, and leaving them with the baby. I remember when they came to visit, I was like, oh my gosh, this baby is mine. She's staying with me, you know? And I was like, yeah, she was just, it's a dream. It's a complete dream come true. I never thought I would, you know, have have a baby, you know, and then know that she's here and she's perfect and everything's okay. And she's she's healthy and she's safe. And, you know, it, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's just, she's a dog. Do you have any any plans for any more? Or have you thought about no. that? I haven't thought about it. I suppose I'm so grateful Happy. to have her. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of going, and every time I have one, <laughs> I think looking for more than one is, yeah, no, she's, it's, I think we're, we're going to be a bit of a tag team. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's duo, take on the world. I, know, I might, I might meet someone, you know, next week or six months and, you know, things might change, but no, mm. for, for now, it, it's just, I'm, and like I said to my friend, I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. I'm staying there for a while. I'm not coming down. <laughs> Maria, tell me if you, I mean, we'd have a lot of people listening to this who would be, you know, in a similar position to maybe where you were two years ago, a year ago, even mm-hmm. thinking about starting a family. What would you say to them if they were sitting in front of you today? Oh, do it. Like, don't be afraid of what people will think or 
or, or reach out, reach out and tell, like for me, it was at start, it was like afraid of saying it, but not, not afraid of saying it, but I suppose saying it out loud, admitting it, yeah, I really want children and this is how I'm going to do, this is how, how I'm going to do it. Um, but once it's out there, once it's said, it's, people are like, oh my God, well done you, brilliant, fantastic. But like, it's one of the best de de decisions I have ever made in my whole life. And I mean, that's just, I think, I look at Isla now and I'm kind of going, wow, like, uh, you know, she's here, she's safe, she's, okay, she didn't come the, the, the normal way, but she she came, you know, she arrived here. Mm -hmm. um, and just, and, and just, just do it, don't be afraid of, of, of saying how you feel or, even just meet, even just go go to a clinic and just just discuss your you know your your options, discuss what you're thinking, um, and get that support. Don't don't sit there on your own, kind of going, will I won't I will I won't I? Just make that little first step. And for me, it was all about the steps, you know, saying you know telling my family and friends this is what I'm going to do, going to my GP, you know, then going up to the clinic and just meeting Dr. Waterstone, getting his advice, and it was all little steps, you know, and then finally the little steps start to kind of you know come together and I think that was just that's how I got through it it wasn't I you know I didn't automatically say wait it's a baby let's go you know it was like no there's so many things I have to do to get there and if I get there I get there and if not I can I can't I won't regret in 10 years time saying Jesus why didn't I do that mm. you know I spoke about doing it I, I don't want to be 50 and saying I should have flipping done it you know and it was like no I think just, just don't have any regrets in doing it even, even if you don't go through with it just make that little bit of a you know start definitely yeah that's lovely that's that's really really good advice um I, I <laughs> talk to you more I want like I want to talk about Isla and everything uh, I will have to <laughs> wrap it up there um thank you so thank much you Dominic so much Maria um thank you for listening to Image Talks Fertility thank you of course to our partners Waterstone Clinic and Dr John Waterstone for the helpful and informative advice today the biggest thank you to Maria and to Isla for sharing their story with us and most importantly thank you to you for listening and the very best of luck if you're about to take those first steps chat next month Thank you.